remain standing. And if you're using your pew Bibles, page 531. In any Bible, it's Psalm 8 and verses 1 through 9. I want you to be thinking about the name, the name of the Lord. Psalm 8, 1 through 9, Pew Bibles, page 531. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You set your glory above the heavens. Because remember, God's name is his glory. It's all that he is, is God. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, You've established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. <clears throat> when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. And then Matthew chapter 5, <coughs> sorry, Matthew chapter 6, and verses 5 through 9. And that's page 964, if you're using the blue pew Bibles in front of you. Matthew chapter 6, and verses 5 through 9. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray... Go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who's in heaven, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name, which means let your name be treated, regarded as holy. The grass withers, flowers fade away, but the word of our God stands forever, to which you respond by saying together, hallelujah and thanks be to God. Our Lord, you didn't say eternal, eternal, eternal. You didn't say infinite, 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 but you did say holy, 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 you are separate unto yourself. There is none like you. And you are not so much awesome as awful in all of your glory. All awe flows from all that you are, as in that sense, the awful God. And Lord, as we deal with the hallowing of your name, it's priority number one as we pray. Our God, we pray that you would teach us, we pray that you would convict us, and we pray that you would renew us to be a people who not just sing holy, 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 but who live it to your glory. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Incidentally, cautionary tale. Um, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir 
I mean, they, these folks, they sing beautifully. And I remember some years ago, we had an, an album from them, and I was listening, and they were singing Holy, Holy, Holy. And in it was glorious. So they came to the very end of the first stanza and the last stanza. And, and I forget what they had, holy, 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 merciful, and mighty. They changed that. But it's God, God in something, blessed be his name. But it didn't say three persons. And because Mormons don't believe in the Trinity. Remember, Mormonism, folks, it's not a branch of Christianity. It's a cult. And uh, so, so be careful when you're listening to pay attention to the words, okay? All righty. Let's um, turn your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 6. I really am, as every week, I get more and more astounded um, at how the Lord works in his church. The church is an organism. It has a, a life in itself. And, and how interesting it was that, that, that last week we dealt with when you pray. And uh, the, the point was made, I don't want you to miss this, that, that prayer is, is, is breathing. You breathe in the promises of God. You breathe in the commandments of God. You breathe in the, the name of God. And then you breathe out petitions that are, that are important. And in a moment, I'm going to use the phrase devotions, which has its place. Um, but I don't think so much here. Your whole life ought to be prayer. While I breathe, I pray. And it was also a reminder, too, that, that as you're going to learn today, there's no first-person singular in the Lord's Prayer. There's no I. It's always our and yours, our Father in heaven. And, and we're reminded, folks, we're all in the Christian thing together, okay? We're, we're brothers and sisters, and, and the needs of our brothers and sisters are not a small part of the, the breathing out of prayer. And what do we have this week? Uh, that was utterly unexpected. Our brother Alphonse, um, who is now in the probably the portal of heaven, as best as we can see, although the Lord could restore him. Uh, I got word with so many other things that came. The daughter of one of our uh, deacons, former deacons in Franklin Square, Stephanie Bahadur, who's I think in her mid-30s, was found to have breast cancer and has to have uh, surgery and treatment uh, the middle of this month. Uh, we still are praying for Jen Delio. We don't know. The doctor said her sight will probably never be the same again after what happened to her. And then yesterday, um, with, when Presbyterian prayer requests were being circulated, Pastor Oliveira sent a, a passionate plea. He said, please pray for us. He said, I have a bad case of the flu. I can't kick it. Lesion has very severe back problems, and she could barely stand up. Uh, Pedro dealing with his cancer. I thought, wow, Lord, breathe in the promises, and breathe out prayer. And my, how we have been learning that in, in this week, okay? Now, I do want to emphasize this, and I realize Wednesday night, there's work and other, I get it. But folks, unless you're providentially hindered, you should be part of the Zoom prayer meeting. No, there's no TV program that's more important ever. And again, you have other things, I realize that. But what's more important than you're taking an hour to pray for your brothers and sisters? 
And this is part of our life as a church, okay? And we're very thankful that I'm not going to put you, call you on the spot there to pray, but please, we need, you need to be there to hear, you need to be there to pray. Uh, but folks, that's what Jesus is getting at when he says, when you pray. And the information on getting to that is, is in the bulletins. Okay, so we come to the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer. And yes, that is Matthew 6, not chapter 5. There's no I, first person singular, in any one of them. Contrary to very American individualistic prayers that begin with I, and it's not wrong to use that, the psalmist does periodically. But when our Lord's teaching us to pray, it's you and, and us. And these are what I'm calling priority prayers. Use, use these petitions in your devotional time in prayer. And no, you don't want it to become formalistic. But take your time, as we did with holy, holy, holy. When, you, when you're praying our, with, with your spouse or when you're praying on your own, still our Father, because you're in the Spirit with brothers and sisters, our Father in heaven... Let your name be made holy. Let your, see, take your time with it, folks. And people criticize the form of the Lord's Prayer when the problem is too often the form of the way we pray it. Our Father, which art in heaven, how be it on the No, 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 think about these things. They are priority prayers. And, and brothers and sisters, um, when you think about these prayers, the Lord answers them, and your great desire for change in the world will come about, not least with the first one. If we just began to see answers to this first prayer, let your name be made holy, this world would really, really begin to be different. So today we are in Matthew 6, and the last part of verse 9, hallowed be your name. And this is connected, believe it or not, with our Father. You'll see a little bit later how this is connected with our Father in heaven. Let your name be regarded as holy. And here I want to remind you of what more and more people are saying, even secularists. The root of our cultural rot is disrespect for the sacred. You go back to all of the things dealing with sexual issues, dealing with abuse of the body, dealing with the abuse of truth, it all goes back to disrespect for the sacred. And the most sacred of the sacred is the name of God himself. So that, that's why this is priority number one of all of the priority prayers. In fact, it was interesting. I was it's Psalm, Psalm 74. And I read this. I thought, well, what a description of our culture. Remember this, O Lord, how the enemy scorns and a foolish people reviles your name. Arise, O God, defend your cause. Do not forget the clamor of your foes, the upright, of the, of the uproar of those who rise against you goes up continually. A foolish people reviles your name. And that, that is so much 
of what our culture is today. So we come to this petition, and there really is no other way to say it. I guess at some point some translation will be bold enough to say, let your name be regarded as holy, which is what hallowed be your name means. Let your name be regarded as holy by all, in every place, all the time. Well, you want to see world change? <laughs> Let the Lord answer that, and that way, and we'll begin to see it. But let's learn about what it is to pray it, okay? So, so basically, two things today. Number one, if you're to pray that God's name be regarded as holy, what does the holiness of God mean? The holiness of God is the first point. The holiness of God, which is something to make you tremble. And then following that, the hallowing of God's name, which really needs to be the greatest burden of all of our hearts. But, but let's take a, a moment to deal with the holiness of God, which is something to make you tremble. And with that, turn to page one again in your bulletins. That's why we use Psalm 99 to be calling ourselves to worship. Page one. This is kind of the, the dynamic of the fear of God. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. Why? Because that Lord in an instant can snuff out our lives. That Lord so governs everything that even the hairs of our heads are numbered. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned above the cherubim, all of the angels who are basically those who guard, they guarded, the, they guarded the most holy place, they guarded the Garden of Eden, they attend God and what he does. They, they're really they're the, the first servants of God. And he sits enthroned above them. Let the earth quake. Let the earth tremble before this God. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the people. Let them praise your great and terrible fearsome, frightening name. Holy is he. And, and I want you to think for just a moment about what God would be to you were it not for your one mediator, Jesus Christ. And I'm not taking away that mediatorial work for a moment, but it's good for us to think of what that would be like if we had no mediator. You try to get close to this God, and you're like the mythical character Icarus who had wax wings, and within a short time they melt, and you fall to your own destruction. That's how awesome that God is. And some of the responses that come to this holy God, who's an awesome God, that we call to worship with those words, Isaiah 6 and verse 1. Isaiah sees a vision of God, and it's not infinite, 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 eternal, eternal, eternal. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the Lord God Almighty. And, and when that name is pronounced, apropos of Psalm 99, the foundations of the threshold to the throne where God is begin to quake. And there's the smoke that comes that reflects the fact that this God is indeed a consuming fire. 
And unlike so many attitudes toward God communicated in various ways today, Isaiah doesn't kind of just sit back in his easy chair and say, hey, this is cool. Isaiah says, woe is me. I'm lost. I'm undone. And I dwell among a people who are also lost and undone. Notice how he plucks the beam out of his own eye first. I am undone. Do you respond that way to God? People say, yes, but we have a Savior, the Lord Jesus. I know you do. But prior to your Savior is the God that the Savior appeased. And when you think of that God in His holiness, and you think something of your own sinfulness or my own, it's woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And that's, that's repeated in Revelation 4 and in verse 8. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And again, the elders don't sit back and have a cup of coffee with God. They fall down flat on their faces and they worship him. And that's in heaven. These are the redeemed elders, the representation of the church of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant in all ages. They would say, oh, we well know Christ. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for Christ. But they fall flat on their faces. Sometimes wish that we could have a, an auditorium where it's not just enough space to kneel, but also just to be able to get down flat on our faces before God. But, but that's, that is the response in the Scriptures. And, and there are dire consequences when that is violated, just some of the many. Israel is at Mount Sinai. And Moses, with the right preparation, has the honor of going to be with God. But if you ain't Moses, you better not go to that mountain. It is, the writer of Hebrews says, and you can read of this in Exodus 19, it was a place of blazing fire. Again, our God is a consuming fire. And without any contradiction, it was a place of darkness representing the outer darkness of what hell is. It was, it was a place in which there was darkness and there was threatening. There were things that said, stay away. Because God is a holy God. And many people have commented in the Old Testament, uh, the essence of the law is go, go away from God because you've sinned. The essence of the gospel is come. And yes, that's true. But remember, think about God. The most holy place. People could come to the very outer part of the temple or the tabernacle. The most holy place where God is. You be anything other than the high priest who once a year, only once a year, and not without blood, you try to enter that most holy place where God is, and you're dead. People will say, well, yeah, that's an Uzzah. That's an interesting one, too. Uzzah and the ark. Uzzah was well-intentioned. You weren't supposed to touch the ark. He even tried to write it when it would fall and he struck dead because you don't treat the holiness of God lightly 
People say, oh, well, that's, that's the Old Testament. And it's almost as if the Holy Spirit anticipated that that rather facile objection would, would come. Yeah, but that's the Old Testament, not the New Testament. Look, Jesus comes into the world, and we can approach him. That's true, because he's the mediator. God still says, don't you play with me. Very early in the book of Acts, as the church begins to grow, you have these two individuals, Ananias and Sapphira, and, and they think they can get away with it by lying to God. Two funerals in one day. All right, so, so those are just some of the texts about God. But as you personalize this, as an I do, let's say God were only just. That's his only attribute, is, is justice. With our very first thought of dishonoring God's name, we would be destroyed, let alone a word, if God were only absolutely just. Why? Well, how was his name to be treated? You don't treat it lightly. And what was the punishment for treating it lightly? It was death. It would bring his own just judgment. And at the last day, and we need to think more than we do about the last day, you live great resolution, live every day as if it's your last day. If there was only one <coughs> sin, just one, in each person who appeared before God without atonement, without the blood of the mediator, just one sin, just one sin of dishonoring God's name, it would be sufficient that that person be cast into hell forever. Why? Because sins aren't judged so much by what they are in themselves, is what or who they're against. You kill your neighbor, and that's wicked. You kill the president, that's even more wicked. You try to kill God, and that's infinitely wicked. You dishonor the name of someone just like you appear, and that's sin. Dishonor the name of the infinite God, and it's sin that's worth infinite punishment. So folks, that's, that is how holy God is, and you must treat his name as holy. That's why in the second place we come to this. The hallowing of God's name, which is to be the greatest burden of your heart and my heart. Um, you treat God's name as holy, as our greatest burden. Now, what's the name? Hallowed be your name. Well, name is shorthand for God himself. It's another way of saying God, God, by your name, O God, now save me. O Lord, how, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth is his glory that's there. So the word name is shorthand for God himself. That's why we make that priority prayer number one, that his name be hallowed. But it's not just God himself. It's his public reputation. If, if, if someone has a good name, well, that person's respectable. You, you honor that person. You respect that person. You, you trust that person. If, if he doesn't have a good name, it's just the opposite. 
And so the public reputation is such an important part of the good name. Now, 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 I want you to think about this. What about your name or my name? How do you want your name treated? Well, let's somebody misspell it. In my case, with a name like Shishko, it's misspelled more often than it's spelled. But still, respect is you spell it with the two H's in it, okay? Uh, you want to have respect for the name so that you spell it properly or that you pronounce it properly. If the name isn't spelled properly or pronounced properly, well, then there's a certain amount of resentment. You, you want respect for your name as it is. So how much more God's honor, God's fame, God's excellence, and that's connected with your name as well. Your name is connected with your honor, your worth, your individuality. And, and you want that respected. You, you want that well-treated. You don't think so? Go into a store tomorrow and, and let the person behind the counter treat you like a clod of earth, and you will get resentful of it. You want to be treated with respect. How much more God's name the Lord God who is famous, his fame, his honor, his excellent, his excellence. And, and we'll go one step further with this. Because God's name is every way by which he makes his name known in the world. So, so it's not just El Shaddai. It's, it's not just Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Those are specific names of God. It's not just Emmanuel, God with us. It's not just limited to that. But rather, it's, it's every way by which God makes his name, his person, his fame, his greatness, his honor, his truth, his wisdom, every way by which he makes those names of God known in the world is connected with his name. Al Mohler, in his uh, little book on the Lord's Prayer, says, Jesus wants you to ask God the Father to so move and act in this world that people, you and I added, that you and others, remember, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, that people, you and others, will value his glory, esteem his holiness, treasure his character above everything else. Listen to that again. It's a beautiful summary. Jesus wants you to ask God the Father to so move and act in this world that people, you and others, will value his glory, esteem his holiness, and treasure his character above everything everything else. Notice it's not our personal needs first. Now you do pray for personal needs. You're going to give us this day our daily bread, which includes us. We get that. But that's not first here. And what's first is God and His glory. Now, now, this is the objection you get. That sounds like God is very, very selfish. When everything proceeds from the Lord God, your life, your strength, even your weakness, the beauty of the sky, 
the wonder of creation, when everything proceeds from God, of him and through him and to him, are all things. Not to give God glory, not to hallow his name, is the supreme sin. It's not that God is selfish. Does not even nature itself teach you, if I could put it this way, that if all these things come from God and he's good, you need to honor his name. Okay, so, so, so that's, that's something of, of the name of God. But obviously, you've got to get specific. Okay, well, what, what does this mean? Remember, God's name is everything by which he makes himself known. So his specific names that he gives himself. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, he, he is the Lord, our healer. He is the Lord, our helper. He is the Lord, our, our comforter. Okay, so all these different specific names by which he makes himself known. But also he has certain titles that he gives to himself. He, he is the majestic one, exalted over all, over all of the earth. Okay, there's, there's different titles that he takes to himself. And, and his attributes... His, what is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. All of those things emanate from God, the great source, and, and, they, and, they, and they, they have his fingerprints on them, if you will. They, they display his name. God's word displays his name. In fact, in an interesting phrase that commentators have worked over in many ways. God puts his own word above his name. His ordinances, the things he has given in the world by which his name is made known. And frankly, all of his works, all of his works have God's fingerprints on them, and that's what the psalm Eight says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. Everything displays that, okay? The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. So that's all different ways of showing his name. So that, that's, that's getting specific. But now let's really get down to what this means in practice. Lord, let your name be regarded as holy. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Oh, my God! And brothers and sisters, well, you don't want to be harsh and judgmental. It comes a point where you want to say, please, sir, please, ma'am, do you know what you're saying? He'll say, well, it's a habit. It has bad habits. Jesus Christ. Do you know of whom you're speaking? He is the God-man. Well, the Holy Spirit just told me to do this. Really? Where do you get that out of the Scriptures? Folks, that's disrespect for the very specific names of God given in Holy Scripture. See what I mean by disrespect for the sacred as the root of all of these issues? Does it bother you? Or have you lost your, have you become numb to hearing God's specific name dishonored in those ways? 
God's attributes, God's wisdom in all that he does. Paul, at the end of Romans, praises, among other things, the glorious wisdom of God. People look at the world that is still a world fallen, but still governed by the wisdom of God. How did God screw this up? Excuse me. I would have some respect for the God who doesn't make any mistakes. The fact that you don't understand his ways is not a measure of whether or not his ways are wise. The power of God. Mother Nature sent this. Mother Nature sent that. Excuse me. God is the one who sends the heat and the cold and the wind and the rain. God's justice. God damn you. Who are you to take to yourself the prerogative of God who himself gives to his own son the keys of life and death? The goodness of God. God is good in all that he does. We may not see it that way. I hate God. I look at what God did in my life and I hate him. God is good. God is great and God is good. Let us thank him for this food. And again, you may not see that goodness. There's clouds that cover the sky, sometimes very dark clouds. The sun is still there. The truth of God. And yes, legitimate science, good science, can uncover so many amazing things about the world God has made. But when science or evolution or the current scientific theory dominates the God who made the heavens and the earth, that's not honoring God's name. It's not honoring God's name when you posit that the world began as a lot of inanimate ooze that was struck by lightning enough until eventually some life came. That's not honoring God who made the heavens and the earth. And the very existence of God. One wag commented, uh, the new atheism has two tenets. One, there is no God. And number two, I hate him. That's pretty much accurate. The fool has said in his heart, no God. And, and don't s say that with tears, folks. But you see, again, disrespect for the sacred and how common it is in our culture. Now do you see why you'd make this prayer priority number one? That the Lord's name be hallowed. God's word, this is the text that was mentioned in Psalm 138 in verse 2. You have exalted your word above all your name. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Well, well, imagine you have a name. You have a name for yourself. 
and uh, th- that you put that name on the title of a book, and and uh, that's your name. And, and, but that book, that book opens up uh, your all of your thoughts. Uh, that book opens up your greatest aspirations. Uh, the book opens up your greatest desires in life. It opens up the, the things that you've done to benefit others. Let's not go with the negatives. Okay, let's just stick with the positives. And, but, but, it, but it opens up. It's a massive, massive book. And, and it, it opens up a full picture of your name that's on the cover. And, and that's the meaning of the Lord has magnified his word above all his name. Because these 66 books that we know of as the Bible, they do. They open up the very heart of God. They open up his great desires for the world. They, they open up his great works done in the world to redeem his people. And, and, and in vivid detail, I might add, above all in Christ himself. And, and, and so these, these words that he's given us, it's not that the words are above God, but they're exalted above all his name because they're so specific about everything God is. And so the word makes known God's name. Want to hear a good Bible joke? I don't. There's too much joking about the Bible already. I want to hear reverent speech about the words that God himself has given. And I'm a big Babylon Bee fan. I enjoy the, the satire of, that is often closer to reality than reality is. But it points. They just go overboard with their making satires about hell and about characters in the Bible. Folks, don't make light of what the Bible is. No, I don't want to hear a Bible joke. May I tell you a little bit of what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches that if you dishonor his name, including with Bible jokes, you're endangering your soul. Well, that conversation will probably won't go much farther than that, but you get the point. God's ordinances, above all his church. The church is the guardian of God's name in the world. The church is the place, or if there's any place, where God's name is to be regarded as holy, it's here. It doesn't mean we don't laugh. It doesn't mean we don't enjoy ourselves or to enjoy God. But it's not a place in which you come on Sunday to have a Sunday morning version of Saturday Night Live. The church is the guardian of the name of God, which is why it's to be governed by Christ according to his word. Well, that sounds kind of stuffy. So what? It honors the God who builds his church that his name might be honored in it. And not just, not just the church, but preaching and preachers. Well, it's lunch. Let's have roast preacher. I think you'll get indigestion from that. Because preaching with all of its imperfections through all of the imperfect ones who preach it, that's the means by which God saves his people. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, how beautiful are the feet of those who are sent to proclaim the gospel. Now, does it mean that every pastor is somebody that you can't have fun with? No. But you better respect that. 
And that's why good preaching is laborious. It, it, is, it is that which is very sensitive to honor God's name. Again, it's not a monologue on, a, on an evening entertainment program. And that's why preachers need to take heed to themselves and to their teaching. That's why every time you read, and I read of it almost every day, of some associate pastor, some youth pastor, some senior pastor, some associate, whatever it would be, and they're arrested because of abuse of people or extorting funds, ought to break our hearts, folks. They're those who are to represent the name of God, and they dishonor him. Even getting down to baptism, and the Lord's Supper. I remember how I learned this lesson so vividly. We were in the, the Reformed Presbyterian Church that we were in at the time uh, when I was in college, and I was there with a friend, and, and, and we were rather new to the church, and the pastor was showing us around, and we saw the, the, the baptismal pool that was there, not a, not a big one, but a small one, because we sprinkle or, or dip. And, and it was, uh, quite frankly, it should have been cleaned out, and it, was, it looked kind of dirty, and we kind of made a joke about it pastor said, don't joke about holy things. Now, was he an idolater? No, he wasn't. But that was the place by which, with water, people were signified in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and the Lord's Supper as well, when people can tease a bit about them. No, no, don't tease about those things. Those are the, those are the ordinances of God by which he makes his name known in the world. His works... His creation, the heavens, do declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. You take the Mona Lisa as a, as a work of art. Look at the respect that's given for that. How much more how the name of God, infinitely better even than Leonardo da Vinci, how the name of God is written on everything in the created order. And that's why folks don't so react to the religion of environmentalism, which it is. I can't believe, I, I, you know, I keep saying I, 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 I can believe anything. But then I read things that say, I can't really believe this. A woman in Canada who believes in eco-sexuality, she satisfies her sexual desires with a tree. Now, folks, that's, that, that's insanity, frankly. But don't so react to that that you forget the fact that we are to be good stewards of God's creation and to be respectful with what God is going. We don't worship it, but, but in various ways to be good stewards, and you can parse that out in various ways, of what God has given. Why? Because God created it. And not just this. How about human beings? What's a human being? Someone made in the image of God. And hallowing the name of God means that from the point of conception, that human being is not to be ripped up by a doctor or sucked up by a vacuum machine, but is to be regarded as image of God. See how disrespectful the holy? 
has affected our culture. Providence, God's government of all things, and here is and everything else here, I'm preaching to myself first, be so careful of cynicism. We can so become so critical of and cynical about what's going on in the world, and it's easy to do that. You forget, God's governing all of these things. Amen. And he makes even the wrath of man to praise him. And with the remnant of that wrath, he glorifies himself. So yes, you've got to think, you've got to be discerning, get that. But be careful, folks. God is the God of history. Don't act as if everything is out of spinning, out of control. God's redemptive work, his salvation by his own name, never, ever to be joked about. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercies are everlasting and his truth endures forever. That's respect for the name of God. And let me board in really individually. Baptism, folks, is not a sign of your experience. Baptism marks the fact that God puts his name on you. You're baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How do you live knowing that God put his name on you? Now you see why the scriptures say, you be holy, for I am holy. Every thought, every word, every deed, God, let your name be holy. Let your name be holy. And yes, again, there is forgiveness of sin. You look at this, and you say, Lord God, I'm so thankful. I need a bath. I need a good long shower after all that we do. And there is that. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. But the prayer is still, let your name be holy. Okay? So, as we come to the end of this, I want you to look at Romans chapter 11. Let me tell you how. It says there's repentance. We all, we all, we all need repentance all the time for this. And, and yeah, Selah, stop and think about this. And repentance in all different ways in which we've not lived as those who hallow God's name, let alone desired it in others. But how do you look at this positively? The hallowing of God's name is what's described at the end of Romans 11. You, you, you ponder God's name. You ponder his works, his attributes, his ordinances, his will. And here's respect for God's name. In you and others. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who is known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid. What is it to hallow God's name? It's to pray and to live with this truth, for of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Could you imagine God today? 
begins to answer that prayer in this country. You'll really begin to see the change that you really, really desire. Let me summarize it this way. I think it'll be memorable for all of you. Moses was the author of the first five books of the Bible. And remember that Moses didn't know God from his infancy. Uh, there was a place at which God was ready to call Moses not only to speak on his behalf, but to lead his people. And that, that's, that's, that was Moses' introduction to God, right? And so the first thing Moses sees is a beautiful picture of the incarnation of Christ. He sees a bush that burns, but isn't consumed. Isn't that what Jesus is? He, he's, a, he's a bush, he's a being, burns with the presence of God but he's not consumed. That, that's the way Moses sees God. And what's the first thing God says to Moses? Moses, take the sandals off your feet because the place where you're standing is holy ground. The Moses principle. Let that animate all of us as when we pray to our Father in heaven, Priority prayer number one, let your name be made holy in myself and in all the world all the time. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our God, what a baptism this is for us in which we are drenched with the expansiveness of the meaning of your name. Now we know why this is priority prayer number one. And we pray, our, certainly we pray for repentance for all around us and for our culture, but, but we pray it would begin with us. Our Lord, make us to be a people. And yes, we would enjoy, we're called to glorify and enjoy you. And we're not taking any of that away. But Lord, please let us be a people who live out what it means that we are baptized into the holy name of the Father, the holy name of the Son, and the holy name of the Holy Spirit. And so work in us and in all others that there will be a profound conviction of sin, that there will be profound repentance that there will be profound renewal so that there might be in our culture a profound reversal of from disrespect for the sacred to the hallowing of your majestic name through Jesus Christ, the name of God, the word of God made flesh, we pray, confirming that we desire to be heard as we say together, Amen. Amen.